Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and day nine of training camp is here today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 263. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell about another Eagles training camp practice. I mentioned the ninth day of practice today. I thought this was a really energetic practice. A lot of fun. Big plays on both sides. Offense, defense, starters, backups. We had some live hitting to the ground today. So there was plenty to cover in today's action. So we'll cover all of that in Chalk Talk. Real quick, a couple things just to, to before we get going. Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Make sure you go check that out. Now is the time to subscribe. If you are big into the NFL draft, if you're big into college football, if you want to just you know, be ahead of the curve a little bit on who the big prospects are going to be next year in the NFL draft, who are the, who's the next Jalen Rager, who's the next John Hightower, Quez Watkins, guys that we're going to be talking about here today, make sure you go tune into the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, we are covering all the best players each and every week over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. You can find that wherever podcasts can be found. All right, so what happened today at Eagles practice? Well, Let's talk about it now with Chris and Ben. It's time for our chat in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, back again for another edition of the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, Ben Fennell, Chris McPherson. Guys, we'll talk through, uh, what was it, the ninth day of practice uh, out there today at the NovaCare Complex. And a good day. We had some live hitting. Obviously, we, we talked about yesterday, it was a light walkthrough. This was a highly energetic practice, uh, C-Mac. I thought there was really good energy, good urgency on both sides. We had some chirping back and forth. We mentioned the live hitting as well, even on the periods that weren't live to the ground. I thought there was just a really physical practice. So I, that was really good to see, especially coming off the late day yesterday. They got a day off here in a couple days. We'll see what they do on Thursday as well. Before we go to C-Mac for the, uh, the injuries and depth chart notes, real quick, Eagles, uh, a couple transactions this morning. Tight end Josh Perkins uh, placed on the reserved injured list uh, after he was you know, injured earlier in camp last week. They also waived rookie linebacker Dante Olsen, an undrafted free agent from Montana. So those two moves made to account for that. The team also signed defensive tackle T.Y. McGill, who's bounced around the league for a handful of years, formerly out of NC State. Actually spent a couple of weeks with the Eagles back in the 2018 season. Played when they, That defensive tackle spot was marred by injury that year as well. And then they brought back cornerback Trevor Williams, former Penn State corner, uh, who was an undrafted free agent, started for a couple years for the Chargers, signed with the team back in January or February, signed a futures contract, was here for that throughout the whole offseason, and then was part of the cuts as the team got from 90 to 80 before the start of training camp. So Trevor Williams makes his return to the field. So T.Y. McGill in, Trevor Williams in, Josh Perkins out, Dante Olsen out, C-Mac uh, let's go to you now for like the, the day-to-day stuff. What happened uh, today in terms of injury updates and uh, guys returning to the field? So one guy notable, wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, a maintenance day for him. So he was getting the day off. Miles Sanders still out, a running back. 
Uh, you mentioned the move with Josh Perkins going to injured reserve. Let's go offensive line. That's really the position to watch. Jordan Mailata, the upper body injury, day-to-day mispractice again here on Wednesday. Lane Johnson, okay, starting right tackle, also still out of practice, day-to-day lower body injury. So your potential swing tackle who needs these critical reps because, again, he's not seen any game action. He's on the sideline. And Lane Johnson, you just hope that he's back for September 13th to go against that great Washington front. Defensive line, Vinny Curry, still day-to-day with a lower body injury. Josh Sweat getting some quality reps there with the first team working in his absence. Sweat had a very good day today. Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave still sideline. One that we'll have to wait and see, Jannard Avery, okay, was acquired midseason last year in a trade was carted off the practice field today. So we're going to have to wait and get an update on that. Never good to see. Certainly, hopefully, all things will be okay with him. But Avery in that mix to be potentially that fifth or sixth defensive end, depending on how many the team decides to keep. You mentioned T.Y. McGill coming on board, uh, as well as the Dante Olsen move. Defensive backfield, Sidney Jones was out in the field today. I did not see him in team reps. So, but he at I don't least, believe, yeah, I think you're right. I don't, I don't remember seeing him in team either. Didn't see him in team reps, but he's, you know, at least making that step toward getting back to the field. Critical couple days coming up for him. And uh, Marcus Epps remains sidelined as well, number 37. So that's your injury updates before we get into the action on the field. So I was kind of thinking today we had plenty that we can kind of hit on in terms of what happened on the field. We will throw every detail in. We want you to go check out our practice notes, which you can find from CMAC and myself over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. But a couple of high-level points from each of the periods. In the first team period, to start things off after individual drills, the big things that we saw, two connections from Carson Wentz to two of those rookie receivers. First, he found Jalen Rager on a deep in-breaking route for a nice gain over the middle of the field. Then he hit John Hightower, one of the biggest passes so far in camp in terms of uh, distance, was able to connect with Hightower down the field, off play action. Uh, Hightower went up and over. Avante Maddox, great energy from the offense. After that play, the whole offensive sideline was really fired up. I thought that kind of got things going. I talked earlier about the energy and practice on both sides. The defense has bought it every day. I thought the offense really brought a lot of juice today, and it started really on that long completion to uh, John Hightower, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it was a great example and showcase on what the Eagles really do well, the play-action concepts, obviously, but Jalen Rieger and the variety of people that can work over the middle of the field, the tight ends, Greg Ward, to see Jalen Rieger, who I think is really going to dominate over the middle of the field this year, particularly from the slot. And then John Hightower, we know his speed. He's going to be a shot play guy, a guy that's going to work down the field vertically. And if he doesn't pick up the whole route tree with the Eagles, that's okay because he's still going to have that pure speed. And if he's more of a vertical threat in his young career, that's okay because he does that uh, that trait pretty well. I think the big thing is overall, I thought the offense was very aggressive today. They haven't seen a ton of that, you know, a lot of that from the defensive line being so disruptive, not giving the quarterbacks time. But I thought that especially Carson Wentz with the first team offense, he was ready to rip it today. And you mentioned Hightower. There was another rep later on in practice where he got deep down the middle on a seam route 
it looked like he could have had the connection. He had the spacing there. They just weren't able to throw him the ball. But seeing the separation that he's able to get, Quez Watkins, I thought, had another very good day. Transitioning here to the seven-on-seven drills, he got wide open for Nate Sudfeld for an easy completion. I've been thoroughly impressed with Quez Watkins and the way they're getting him the ball, using the speed, getting the ball to him in a short game. You're seeing some handoffs to him as well. So definitely seems like they're trying to find ways that they can incorporate these young receivers into the offense very quickly. And uh, just some of the old reliable guys, you know, Greg Ward out of the slot. I know it's funny calling him the old reliable, but he, Zach Ertz, just making some tight contested catches. Another great catch from Jalen Rager in the seven-on-seven drill. One of the unheralded guys, how about Elijah Riley, had a nice pass breakup at the goal line. I didn't quite see who the receiver was. They were going to the ground, but Elijah Riley was able to get the ball out at the last second there. So one of the undrafted free agents, we got to see him at the Shrine Bowl down in St. Pete trying to find his way onto the roster potentially or at least the practice squad. But a big thing for me was just seeing an aggressiveness out of the offense to try to take more shots down the field, something I feel like we haven't seen enough of. Everybody talks about the speed with the receivers, and you think vertically, and there's other ways to get that incorporated, but I do want to see this team take more shots to stretch the defense here in 2020 with the personnel that's now available for him. Yeah, and you know, Carson Wentz talked about that at a, at a previous media outing last week, just about how they want to be more aggressive and try and connect more down the field. Uh, you mentioned there was one where Hightower uh, you know, was streaking down the middle. They could have had it, but the ball couldn't be thrown. They did attempt one to Hightower late that was incomplete, and they attempted a couple to Rager that went incomplete. So certainly a little bit more aggressive today, which was good to see, just seeing them trying to air it out, work on some of those play-action deep balls and those designed shot plays down the field. I was talking with a friend of the podcast, uh, Bo Wolf, former uh, former co-host of the uh, the old version of the Eagles Insider Podcast, CMAC, with the, with the two of us. And so talking with Bo, just talking about these receivers. And look, I don't have a time machine that's going to say like, oh, yeah, like this is what these guys are going to look like in four or five years. The Eagles obviously throwing darts at the speed receiver position, right? Hoping, you know, a couple of these guys hit. It feels like early on that all three of these guys, Jalen Rager, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, We don't know if they all, quote-unquote, hit. We don't know what they're going to be in three or four years. But none of them look out of place. They all look like they belong in the NFL, which is all you can ask for, what, 10 days uh, into training camp with, you know, the media out there, no preseason games to go off of. From what we've seen, it's cool to see that all three of these guys have NFL ability and are living up to that right away. Well, I think they all have traits to hang their hat on immediately as professionals. They all come with pure speed. And at the very end of the day, to have that speed, to have that confidence, and to be able to use that in a variety of ways, not only for themselves, but to incorporate that speed in combination with the rest of the scheme in the offense. We've heard the whole taking the top off the defense mentality of receivers. Man, these guys running deep, that means safeties have to back up, and it could open a lot more voids in that middle area of the field, maybe for the tight ends and some of those other guys to work. So while those guys may be impacting the game a little bit more than the the targets and the ball would suggest, you really have to look at what they're doing for other people as well. Yeah, and to me, like, it's not even that. It's also, too, that there's not a lot of drops. There's not a lot of, like, oh, like, that was a busted play. I looked like the receiver ran the wrong route. Like, we've seen guys with speed come through here over the last, you know, four, five, six, seven years – And it didn't work as well early on. They had some of those struggles early in their first camp and their second camp as they were trying to get geared up. 
these guys look like they're in and they're they're ready to play. Uh, you know, in terms of again, when I say ready to play, take that for you know with some context. I'm not saying plug them all in as your starting receivers right now, but they all look like they belong in the NFL, which that's a good sign for all three of those guys to come. See next. I would say a big thing there is the scouting. Okay, that's any Weidel and his crew getting to know the personality of these guys as much as possible. And of course, it was different this year, a lot more difficult this year because of the lack of pro days. But you still had your meetings at the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, and the Combine to be able to go off of. But nonetheless, that's a big component there is trying to find that play mentality, guys that have the confidence that can come in on day one. And as we're talking about confidence. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, another very strong day from mm. him. Not the burner, obviously, that these young rookies are, but just so much better with his route running this year, so much more confident getting the ball. In fact, he spoke to the media after practice, and he was asked about, can you talk about your touchdown, take us through the play? And he goes, well, I had a couple today. Yeah, so you're like, yeah, that's right. You know, it, it's facts, but, you know, at the same time, he's got, you know, it's it's good on him to be able to step up and say, you know, hey, which one? I'm, I'm making the multiple plays out there. So I think what's also interesting is when you look top to bottom at the wide receiver depth chart, you don't have Alshon Jeffrey, who's a starter opposite Deshaun Jackson, but you get down to the depth there. We talk about guys like the Travis Fulgums in the world coming in here. Those guys toward the bottom of the depth chart are really, really competitive, really, really pushing those guys at the top of the depth chart that there's just not a huge drop-off no matter yeah. where you go along the depth chart here. To me, like, you know, that's why when friends and family and fans we were talking to, like, would ask, like, oh, you know, like, what's J.J. Ortega-Whiteside going to look like in year two? Like, he was so disappointing as a rookie. I would always go back to last summer because it's not like, – going back to what I said earlier about these young receivers – J.J. didn't look lost during training camp. He did not look lost in the preseason. Like, I know the numbers weren't there in the regular season and the production wasn't there and there were mistakes made in games. But in camp, like, he had a good camp last year. He had a good – he looked looked apart the preseason. You go back to that Baltimore game, he had eight catches for over 100 yards. He had that long touchdown. Like, we saw a lot of good things from J.J. last summer and we're seeing more good things from him this summer. So, uh, certainly a good sign uh, of things to come. Uh, C-Mac, you gave us the notes there on the seven-on-seven. While you were watching that, I was watching the offensive line and the defensive line going one-on-one. I provided a, a basically a full play-by-play of that drill over in our practice notes that I alluded to earlier. Check that out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com uh, after you're done listening to this episode of the podcast. Just a, a few guys I wanted to kind of highlight here. First off, Matt Pryor has been starting at right tackle with Lane Johnson out of the lineup, right? So Brandon Graham kind of kicked things off against Matt Pryor, got a nice little win there uh, with an outside rush, turned the corner on him. So he beats Matt Pryor to start things off. but Pryor kind of bounced back. Very next play, good rep against Sharif Miller. Um, he also had some nice reps uh, against Hassan Ridgeway. He slid back inside the guard, Matt Pryor, for some reps later uh, in the drill because obviously he's got that versatility and uh, you know he's going to have to be a little bit of a swing backup for this team moving forward. So I, I thought that he bounced back nice. That was nice to see from Matt Pryor. Nate Herbin, another guy who very versatile, right? He got he got the starting rep at right guard in this drill because Jason Peters typically doesn't take too many reps in one-on-one, so he lined up against Fletcher Cox. Solid rep against number 91. So you saw some good things from Nate Herbig. Not just that, but he also got wins against Raekwon Williams, against T.Y. McGill, other defensive tackles were Hassan Ridgeway on the inside. So I thought Nate Herbig had probably his best day in terms of the one-on-ones today in terms of the ones that I've seen from camp. Uh, going back to the first-team unit, Josh Sweat matched up against Andre Dillard. Josh Sweat tried to win with a little bit of a speed-to-power rush against Dillard, but Dillard was able to drop that anchor. Did a nice job holding his ground. Just watching Sweat take more reps, one of the things I kind of wrote down, it seems like, Ben, 
He's getting a little bit faster with his hands, a little bit quicker with his hands. We always know, you know, we know that he's got some explosive first step ability. He's got some power in him. He can win with length. But it was good to see him, kind of, you know, whether he's working like double hand swipes or uh, rip moves, just a little bit quicker and faster with the hands, which is good to see. And then Jack Driscoll had another good day as well. He has a couple of those edge rushers, I think, really cleaning up the technique. Josh Sweat, he had the good first step, but we see him working on that kind of Superman move, the uh, rip move while he leaps into the tackle, which has really taken off around the NFL. He's really ascended the past two summers. I'm excited for him to put it together, get more snaps in the regular season. Yeah, it's, it's just good to be able to see uh, you know him continue to make those jumps, the former uh, fourth-round pick out of Florida State. All right, so – the seven on seven and the one on one periods end. We get back together for the rest of the day with a lot of 11 on 11 action. You know, I mentioned earlier they took a few deep shots uh, that fell incomplete to John Hightower and Jalen Rager, but Boston Scott got the offense going long run on the inside. That kind of, uh, I mentioned, I've mentioned a couple of days how the, the run game hasn't really been there for the Eagles offense this year. There's just, again, you take it with like, all right, obviously it's not live, they're not going to the ground, things like that. The run game just hasn't felt like it. You know, the defense has really kind of shut the door on the run game. Today, that was a little bit different. I thought Scott opened up uh, on that nice long run. Elijah Holyfield had one of his nicest runs from camp. Uh, he got up to the second level, put a little bit of a shimmy on uh, the rookie linebacker, Sean Bradley, in the hole, and then cut back for a long touchdown. Holyfield finished some really nice runs today, really physical, uh, lower in the shoulder, kind of throwing the stiff arm, constantly chirping with the defense, their defense kind of digging back at him. So, uh, a really good spirited uh, day here from Elijah Holyfield, team act. I was going to say he put a nice little spin move there when he when he shook Bradley. Yeah. So, but that physicality that that's something it's hard it's hard to bring out in some of these practices. You go to yesterday's jog through, and it's you can't really do that. You know that's Holyfield's calling card. He wants to be the bell cow and take it to the defender. Well, you need the right environment to be able to do that. But it's also important that you take advantage of when you have the opportunity and. Holyfield has taken advantage of the reps that he's gotten, you know, with Miles Sanders out. Boston Scott missed a couple of days. Corey Clement missed a little bit of time. So Elijah Holyfield has really taken advantage of those reps and something that head coach Doug Pearson praised him for uh, earlier today, saying that he's one of those guys who's really made the most of the opportunities here during camp. So when you're looking at the pecking order at running back, you know, Miles Sanders is the guy, the feature back at one. You figure out that it's Boston Scott, Corey Clement, and then Elijah Holyfield is, is you know, pretty much in there battling for that fourth running back spot there. Yeah, it's uh, certainly going to be interesting to watch that over the next uh, week or so. All right, so next period, another team period, 11 on 11. Midway through the drill, Nikel Roby Coleman, a leaping interception on a throw intended for Zach Gertz from Carson Wentz. Could have been zone coverage, could have been man-to-man, and he kind of peeled off his guy. Obviously, Nikel Roby Coleman's not going to be manned up uh, on Zach Gertz, but leaping interception, outstanding play on the ball. Guys, he's been around the football just so much in camp. You know, this has been, I think, his second interception in team drills. He's had a bunch of pass breakups, whether it's been in one-on-one or in 11-on-11, seven-on-seven, always around the football. Uh, We talked about him a bit yesterday. Uh, Roby Coleman, just really impressive so far here this summer. A few plays later, a little bit of a scary moment, C-Mac. Andre Dillard bull rushed back into the lap of Carson Wentz by, I believe it was the, the defensive end, Joe Osman. Couldn't tell if I, and that's the one thing is that like, you know, there's, I think a lot of people are, are quick to kind of react to it. You don't know if like, you know, did Andre get his foot stepped on? Did he, did he trip over the guard? Like regardless, bull rush, Dillard pushed backwards onto, it gets kind of rolled up onto Carson Wentz. Everybody goes down. Everybody gets back up. So it was all right. A little bit of a scary moment there in the middle of practice. Though. He uh, popped the pads a little yeah. bit there. So 
so to speak there. Um, but, you know, he's going to get his, his ups and downs, okay? He's a second-year player in the league going against some very talented linemen. I, I just want to go back to that NRC interception real quick. I don't know if you noticed the defensive line front on that play, Fran, but Fletcher Cox was at right defensive end, and we saw Brandon Graham lining up over the center on mm-hmm. that play, giving a little bit of a different look on that play. But going back to Andre Dillard, look – he was such an accomplished left tackle at Washington State, okay? You combine that with the athleticism they brings to the table, okay? It was a shock that he was still available for the Eagles. That's why they went up and traded the draft capital to get him. He serviced himself just fine in the couple of games that he had to start for Jason Peters at left tackle. Looked like a fish out of water at right, right tackle. Never played the position and was kind of thrown into the fire at that spot, to be fair. But he's settling in to be the left tackle. This is what you were hoping he would be a year after he was drafted. He's on that track. You're, you're going to have a little bit some growing pains with it. And everyone was okay. That's the big thing out of this. And, um, you know, there are guys who, on the flip side, I even said this talk with Bo Wolf on the sideline. I mentioned this. You wonder – are guys going to try to take advantage and go a little harder knowing that there are so few opportunities to showcase what they have in this training camp? There's no preseason games. You can't take it to another team. So, Ben, you know, it's like you say to yourself, how am I going to get noticed by the coaches? I've got to go all out and practice. That is my game. That's my chance to shine. Yeah, that's really their only opportunity without, you know, the uh, the live game reps and putting stuff on film against other teams. But Nicole Roby Coleman's really impressed me. He's entering his eighth year in the NFL after being an undrafted free agent at a USC. Doesn't have the size, doesn't have the pure speed, but he just shows up. He's a feisty guy. He has the ball skills. He's competitive. Everything you want from that middle-of-the-field nickel defender, he'll stick his nose in the run game, stick his face in the fan there at 5'8", 180 pounds. Typically, if you're 5'8", 180, you're running four threes, four fours, and you have that twitchy speed. But the fact he survived productively now in his eighth year after being undrafted without the size, without the speed, it really just speaks to, number one, his ball skills, his toughness, and really just his competitive nature. Really impressive player. Yeah, it's what makes him one of the best nickel corners uh, in the league, for sure. All right, so uh, next team period. Early highlight from Fletcher Cox. This was on the far side of the field. Uh, Fletcher feels a screen pass coming, nearly picks off a pass from Carson Wentz. Would have been a one-handed interception. Crazy athletic play on a throw that was uh, intended for Boston Scott on the left side. So crazy play there. Very next play, Sharif Mueller comes screaming off the defensive left side. Couldn't tell because it was so far away if it was like a protection bust or if he just won quick. I couldn't see who was lined up on the other side there, but either way, Sharif Miller flies into the backfield right there in Carson Wentz's face, ends up getting blown dead as a sack. And then the very next play after that, Vontae Maddox nearly beat Jalen Rager for an interception on a fade route down the left sideline. Ball's a little bit underthrown. Maddox undercut it, jumped up, ball went right through his hands. So he got the pass break up, nearly had an interception. So three straight plays for big plays for the defense, but the offense bounces back uh, a little bit later. Carson Wentz, Hits Jalen Rager, middle of the field. Nice dig route for a big game there, Ben. You know, you mentioned earlier just about the young receivers looking so comfortable and just looking apart. 
the defensive backs too, and just collectively the receivers and DBs, just the competitive nature thus far through training camp, two, three weeks or whatever is under our belt so far, just feels like every session they're making each other better. Big plays by the offense, big plays by the defense. We've already highlighted their opportunistic nature with those defensive backs seemingly getting their hands on passes in every session. But I think it's a, you no, know, it's been used a little bit to death these days, but the iron sharpening iron, it just feels different on the back end. You just feel the confidence, you feel the competitive nature, and you don't have a whole lot of, for lack of better words, parking cones out there of guys that really don't look the part and you clearly know, hey, this young kid doesn't have it. There's just a lot of young talent, and I think it's making everybody better. Uh, I think that's one of the things about it being an 80-man roster this summer as opposed to a 90-man is there's more parity for sure in the bottom of the roster. So interesting period there. Now, we're moving to the longest period of practice, and they were down in the red zone, and they were coming at us. So the action coming right at us, we were there in the red zone. So we had like over 20 plays in a row. So guys, I'm just going to string through a couple of the plays, a couple of the highlights. Interrupt me if there's anything that you want to hit on a little bit heavier. Nate Sudfeld gets the start here. So the twos versus the twos. Nate Sudfeld throws two touchdowns to get things going. First one to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on a fade down the left sideline. Then another one to Quez Watkins on a corner route on the right side. He tried to hit Watkins again, but Craven LeBlanc in there in tight coverage. So Sudfeld starts two for two, two touchdowns. J.J. with the fade, nice ball, nice catch. And Quez Watkins, nice route, nice finish over the shoulder on the right side. Now, a few plays later, uh, the first team comes out. So you got Carson Wentz going up against the starting defense. Final play of that series, Wentz finds J.J. Ortega-Whiteside Back of the end zone on a skinny post. Uh, it might have been a stick nod. You couldn't really. I couldn't. I wasn't watching JJ on the play. I just saw the where he got open in the middle of the field, knowing how the Eagles kind of attacked that area. I'm not sure exactly what the route was, but something along those lines. Diving touchdown. Great full extension hands catch. Outstanding grab by Ortega Whiteside. Jason Kelsey sprints into the end zone, fired up, screaming at JJ, lifts him up into the air. The whole offense was really, really fired up after that play. So that was awesome. Then they, they same two guys hook up a little bit later. This time, Carson Wentz was like play action. He's rolling to his right. It looks like he was, C-Mac, it looks like he was trying to hit one of the other receivers that was like also back there in the end zone. So the ball's behind JJ. But JJ says, that's within my catch radius. I'm going to go with my back, my right hand, reach behind me, reel this in, and then secure it with both hands, look down, get both feet inbounds along the end line. Awesome catch for a touchdown. So offense once again fired up. And then that just got them going here because their final four plays, the starters on the field against the starting defense, all four plays were touchdowns. So you had that final play with J.J., or that last one I just talked about. Then you had Elijah Holyfield running inside for a touchdown. Just came flying downhill. Would have scored if it was a live period. Ran through an arm tackle. Carson Wentz then found Dallas Goddard wide open for a touchdown. And then Corey Clement on a run to the right side went in untouched uh, for a touchdown. So four plays for the first team offense at the end of the red zone period. Four touchdowns. Just a uh, nice little momentum swing there for the offense. Great to see JJ and the potential role he could have for the team this season, being able to win in tight quarters, because I think that's what everyone expected when he was drafted in the second round out of Stanford. Love the emotion, not just from Jason Kelsey, but Elijah Holyfield. Yeah. Uh, he and Will Parks were John. Uh, this was just before that four-play stretch that Holyfield got stuffed at the line, but he and Will Parks were just going at it. You almost thought he might get a little skirmish going. Just great to see the intensity from both sides of the ball. Like you said, the defense bringing it every day, but the offense was fighting back. Kelsey had, had that great uh, emotion, was real charged up after that J.J. Ortega Whiteside touchdown. But uh, Carson Wentz always says, and I know you you guys talked about this on your, 
your live stream, you and Dave Spadaro. Again, 10.30 tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. Make sure you check it out. It's about a half an hour of live practice coverage. But I think Dave threw out a couple of Carson Wentz stats at you to celebrate Wednesday and was like, which one is the most impressive? And I think the one was like, you know, his red zone passer rating, his third down passer rating. And Carson Wentz has said that situational football is where he wants to excel out. No big surprise, but they have just been so good in the in the red zone. They were crazy good out of this world good in 2017 on the way to the Super Bowl, but they've come back and they've still been one of the best teams in the league in that area the last couple of years. So great job by Doug Pearson and the coaching staff, changing something that had been a sore point for this offense for a number of years, making it one of the true strengths that once the Eagles get in that red zone, Ben, that they're able to capitalize. You know, I could see Ortega Whiteside really being a go-to guy, especially in the red zone. And a lot like the way Trey Burton was used, who had some receiver-like qualities despite being listed as a tight end. Ortega Whiteside presents a lot of similar matchup problems for not only linebackers, but maybe slot defenders and a really unique skill set in combination with those strong hands, the basketball background, the ability to play above the rim. Really, really tough matchup, especially down in the red zone. I just think like when you look at this red zone offense and, and what it could be, you, know, you think of the different matchup players. We know the success they have down there with the tight ends. You throw J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in there. You've got guys that have the ability to get off press quick. And, you know, we've seen that from Jalen Rager down in the red zone, C-Mac. Uh, we've seen that from obviously Deshaun Jackson throughout the course of his career. If you can beat press quick. You can be effective in the red zone, especially on those fades to the back pylon. Uh, you've got Miles Sanders, what he can do in the passing game. You even throw in a guy like a Jalen Hurts if you want to mix things up, get a little crazy too. So, you know, just a really high upside for what this red zone offense could look like. And I thought we saw a little bit of that on Wednesday. So after the red zone period, they go to a uh, another team period, this time all the backups, and they're going to go live to the ground. So this was the live tackling period. A couple of big highlights. Razul Douglas got a big interception, second play, picking off Nate Sudfeld down the left sideline. Razul, now it's a live period, all right? So it's not just like, oh, yeah, like, oh, they returned it for a touchdown. They're returning, and they're trying to score. So Razul starts working up the sideline, then sees a cutback. So he cuts back across the field and goes the other way. He feels like he's going to be tackled. Tosses it back to Craig James, and Craig James uh, takes the rest of the way. The defense all mobs those guys on the far side of the field. But big play for Rizal Douglas. You mentioned Sidney Jones back on the field today. You know, those guys certainly in a competition with a bunch of other players there on the back end of that cornerback depth chart. So uh, good for Rizal Douglas uh, to be able to make that play. After that, nothing crazy after that. Some Jalen Hurts completions. Uh, Sean Bradley was in on a couple of tackles. But I think that kind of wrapped it up, guys. See, I don't know if you have any other notes from that final live tackling period. I just want to bring up Rasul Douglas and that competition there because when you get down to 53 on September 5th, cornerbacks will be so fascinating because you got Darius Slay, you know, you've got Avante Max as your two stars on the outside, and Nikel Roby Coleman, who is very physical. For all we talk about with the coverage aspect, there were times, say, in practice, I think it was Dallas Goddard had a reception along the sideline, was running upfield. And it was a thud period. And Nikel Roby Coleman went to make jar him to make sure he went out of bounds. And I think they both enjoyed giving it to each other on the play. But he's been the first team slot guy. Then after that, it's like you have Craven LeBlanc, who you mentioned the play that he made today and his experience in the slot and the importance of having depth there. You've got Rasul Douglas, who started on the outside. Sidney Jones, we got to see if he can work his way back. 
Craig James, you know, has been very good on special teams last year, was the hero of the of the Green Bay game for the play he made when he was thrown into the action. Tough, tough decisions for Harry Roseman, Andy Wild, Doug Pearson for who they're going to keep there at, uh, at the cornerback spot. You know, Rasul is a confident player these days. This is a guy that's been on the field a lot. He's got the confidence. There's no doubt he feels like he should be a starter in this league. And I feel like when he gets on to the second and third units, you just see a little bit different play come out, like almost like I'm slighted. I'm going to go let somebody know about it like you did today with that interception playing for that second unit. But you know he's a confident player. He wants on-field time. Might not be in the cards this season with that influx of obviously talent with uh, you know young Avante Maddox and bringing over uh, Darius Slay. You know, it's interesting with, with Rasul because there were times last year in training camp where I thought he was the best corner on the field. And just for whatever reason, it's just never fully transitioned to game action. Okay. But still you can't teach the length. I mean, that is so critical. He's got the experience. He plays on the outside. You know, that's the, is, there's different elements that he brings to the table, but just so fascinating to see what the Eagles are going to do at this position. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. You mentioned C-Mac, uh, some hard decisions, certainly. And that's what, honestly, you, you hear that you guys watch hard knocks, the coaching staff, personnel staff, when they speak to the team at the beginning of every training camp, they say it every time, hey, all you have to do is make our job hard for us. We, you want to make it hard for us to cut you. And that's what a lot of these guys, uh, with the level of competition, the level of urgency that they're, they've shown uh, over the last few days, certainly today, been really good to see. So just a little bit of what we're going to expect over the next few days. As I mentioned, we got one more day tomorrow, day off on Friday. And then practice this weekend. Every day they're practicing, we'll keep doing these podcasts. As long as uh, we've got media availability, we will continue to do it. So, C-Mac, Ben, thanks so much for joining us once again here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We will uh, talk to you both tomorrow. Great stuff from Ben and Chris. You can follow on Twitter just like I do at Ben Fennel underscore NFL and at CMAC Eagles. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other way is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. I want to give a shout out today. Uh, really, to everybody out there for all of the ratings that you guys left uh, on our Apple podcast page, all the questions you guys have left. And guess what? It's time now. If you want to jump right in, you can get your question answered. Just jump right on to our Apple podcast page, leave a question, and we will answer it here on the show. And it's your best way. Hey, if you, if you love listening to us, if you spend uh, you know a half hour a day listening to these training camp updates, nice way to little say, say thank you is just jump on, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, helps boost us up the rankings, makes this show available to more people as they're trying to find more Eagles podcasts. So thanks so much to all of you who have already done that. All right. Now, thanks so much to C-Mac. Thanks so much to Ben. Thanks so much to, to all of you out there who have made this show uh, as good as it is. And thanks you know for all the attention you've given to all of our podcasts on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you tomorrow.